and there was many times when I, when I hired my first employee or two that they were making more money than I was because I was still trying to figure out the, the unit economics of the business. You know, I didn't know what, what I was doing back then, but that's kind of what I was trying to like figure out. And, and for me, it was a mistake that I made early on where it's like, okay, we have too much work. I'm not able to get to all the work, so I'm going to try to throw bodies at this problem. And that wasn't the right solution. Welcome to Founder Chats by Barometrics, where we chat with founders and hear how they started and grew their businesses. This week, Brian talked with Brian Clayton, the co-founder and CEO of GreenPal, an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber for lawn care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 200,000 active users completing thousands of transactions every day. Before starting GreenPal, Brian founded Peachtree Inc., which had a $10 million annual revenue before it was acquired in 2013. Enjoy. Hey, Brian. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Brian, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Of course. My pleasure. Uh, well, let's get it kicked off the way we usually do. Uh, tell me, where did you get started on your entrepreneurial journey? Uh, I'd like to tell you I was a born entrepreneur, but the reality is I was forced into it by my dad on a hot summer day. He came into my room uh, in the mid-90s and said, get off your butt. Uh, I got a gig for you. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. And he made me go cut the neighbor's grass and uh, wasn't living in a, a Democratic household. So it was kind of like a direct order. He said, you're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. And, uh, and so begrudgingly, I cut the neighbor's yard and made like 20 bucks. And ever since then, I was just hooked. I was hooked on man I was like this is incredible I make it twenty dollars an hour this, this is awesome and and I remember the first thing I did is I passed out a bunch of flyers all over the neighborhood to try to get more of these gigs and and uh, by the time I in that first summer I had like 20 customers I was cutting grass for and I actually stuck with that lawn mowing business all through high school all through college uh, went to college at night and uh, cut grass during the day and by the time I graduated college, I had like 20 employees and uh, and stuck with that that business for 15 years, ultimately building one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, uh, getting that business over 150 employees, over 10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, it was acquired by one of the largest landscaping businesses in the United States. And so growing that business just for me and a push mower to like me and like 90 trucks going out every day, I, I learned a lot about how to build and scale a company. and. And uh, when I sold it, I, I took some time off, maybe like took a year off and, and got bored. And I thought, well, what am I going to do with my life now? You know, my business is the thing that causes my life to move forward. And, and so I had an idea that an app should exist uh, for, to make like, like an Uber for lawn mowing type app. And I thought, how hard could it be? <laughs> and uh, recruited two co-founders and we went to work on building what is, what is known out today as GreenPal. And so GreenPal is a 10-year overnight success. Uh, we have around 300,000 customers today all over the United States using GreenPal to get their lawn mode and doing multiple eight figures a year in revenue. So that's 22 years I've spent in this one industry and I've kind of seen it from every angle you can see it from. And I guess, uh, I, you know, it, I, part of my success is just sticking with one thing and it's just knowing it really well and that's what I did. That's awesome. And I got to say, Brian, I appreciate your humility in saying you're not a, you know, born entrepreneur, but, um, you know, a lot of people were cutting lawns when they were coming up and they, they, they didn't instantly think to turn that into a, you know, a, a 15 year enterprise. So I, I think you get, you get a little bit of credit for, for doing the, doing the conversion on that for sure. Yeah, it was a, 
it, it was a it was a hell of a journey, and I'm glad that I went through it. And it made it's definitely entrepreneurship's made my life a whole lot more interesting, I think, than it would have otherwise been. It's been the thing that's caused me to like do things I never would have done. So I'm, I'm I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. What how? Yeah, obviously you just told you know your your whole life story and and you know one or two minutes there so it's easy to kind of lose some of the nuance but like from the way you you sort of you, you framed that initial you know from the from the first lawn you were hooked is that really what it was like once you kind of as soon as you provided a service and you got paid for it did that really have a light bulb go off or was there was there more of a journey involved in it from there it really it for me it was always like I don't understand why people work regular jobs. Right. Uh, you know, that's the way it hit me from moment one because I, I was making, you know, in 1995, I, I was making sometimes as much as a thousand dollars a week uh, as a teenager. And granted, I was working my butt off, uh, but but for me, it just always made sense. And and then you know, once I started growing that business, hiring my first employee, you know, uh, figuring out like a little marketing strategy. It, it really started to click. Was it all up and to the right? Hell no. There was a lot of ups and downs for 15 years building that company. And there were many times where, when I was like, man, this, this sucks. But, but, you know, looking back for me, it was just like a duck on water. It always made sense to just kind of be in charge of my own thing and try to grow something to make it bigger than me. And it's been one of the most fulfilling things I've done in my life. That's awesome. So how long were you were you on your own for? When did you decide that, you know, well, we have we have so many lawns to cut here. I need to bring in a second person. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things. Hiring your first employee is one of the hardest moments when you're when you're running any kind of business, because effectively you're kind of doubling your business in one swoop. You know, you're, and, 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 and there was many times when I when I hired my first employee or two that they were making more money than I was. Right. Because I was still trying to figure out the, the unit economics of the business. You know, I didn't know what, what I was doing back then, but that's kind of what I was trying to, like, figure out. And and for me, it was a mistake that I made early on where it's like, OK, we have too much work. I'm not able to get to all the work, so I'm going to try to throw bodies at this problem. And that wasn't the right solution. You know, the right, the, the right way to look at it is like, okay, we're really in the business of selling man hours. Uh, how do I bolt on more production? How do I get more man hours in the field? And I can figure out what I can sell those hours for and what my margin is. You know, I didn't make that connection until probably year three or four. Right. And so, and so I, you know, I did it wrong at first. And then, and then after t a time went on, I thought, okay, well, I got three people now. What if I got to 10 and well, what 20 and 30? What does that look like? And then really kind of making a connection of, okay, this is what a labor hour costs. This is what it costs us to produce it. And this is what I can get for it in the marketplace. And just managing that, it was really, you know, how I was able to start to scale the company. Interesting. So just to make sure I understand what you're saying there, it's it sort of, it sounds like you were thinking both from like a, from a unit economic standpoint of like, you know, per per one billable hour, how much does that cost us? How much can we get? But it also kind of sounds like you're saying like, well, instead of just throwing more and more people at the problem, well, what if we can get more out of one hour? Is that is that right? Exactly, because the tendency is just to throw people at it. Right. And because that's the easier thing to do. 
Uh, but at times you have to really figure out, well, well, why, why aren't we making any money, and why are our competitors kicking our butts? Well, it's because we're we're running sloppy. You know, we 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 we're our, it's a route-driven business, the the lawn care industry, and mm -hmm. so, and that's a lot of what, what GreenPal does today is organizes those routes in an efficient manner to where you don't waste time driving all over town. You go from stop to stop in less than five minutes, and and so so you're able to recover a lot of time that that uh, normally you couldn't bill for. So that's kind of the name of the game in in that service industry is reducing the waste reducing the time spent on the road and increasing the time you know with with your time spent on customers properties and that's one connection that I made early on running that business and so the easy thing to do is to throw bodies at it and I think that might be why a lot of venture backed startups you know um, make that mistake of trying to hire too many people right when in fact you can get more done with less if, if you didn't have if you had those constraints and so for me you know, self-funded that business. We self-funded Green Palace. It's kind of always been a, a thing where it's just like, okay, well, let's really try to diagnose what, what's going on, what's going wrong here, and fix it at like the root cause. And that's how, mm -hmm. you know, it took me a long time to figure it out growing that first business. But, you know, that's, that's the only way to learn business is to get in there and do it. Yeah, that's great. It's very interesting for me to hear you say that because I've always been, or I don't know if I've always been, I've, maybe I've recently been interested with sort of, um, I'm not even quite sure how to phrase it, but sort of, you know, the, the game within the game of these things yeah. like, you know, uh, if you're an actor, you know, the work isn't getting up on stage or getting in front of a camera and acting. It's all the, re the rehearsals and, and uh, auditioning. And if you're in sales, you know, the, the, or from my perspective, the the role of sales isn't being on the sales call and, and closing a deal. It's the follow up and the prep and the you know kind of everything that you do around it, organizing the process. So it's really oh, interesting. So true. Think about so the, true. Yeah, the, the lawn lawn care business of like it's you know once you're there and you're actually you know taking care of somebody's property, that's not really the work. That's not really the business. The business is well, how fast can I get to the next one? And you know what's the what's the level of efficient? Were there any other sort of like similar like efficiencies that you found like that of like well how can or maybe you can even speak to so i think this is really relevant for a lot of a lot of founders what was your thought process and figuring out how do we get more out of the resources that we already have yeah you you realize that you're right what we're, we're what we were doing then you know when i ran a landscaping company and what we do today when i run an app that is the uber of lawn mowing <laughs> it, it's like we're what we do has very little to do with making grass short. Right. It, has more, it has more to do with selling people back their time. And, and that's the business we really are in. And yeah. so how do we do that? And, and so like, those, like that connection I was able to make early on running that business and looking for ways to find time throughout the day and ways to cut out the fat. And sometimes it meant, okay, well, you know, we're, we're, what does the crew size look like? Okay, we're, we're setting out this, these three technicians in a truck and they're doing these properties that really one guy could do in about the same amount of time. Right. So, so as the business grew, we started to really kind of package together the routes in such a way that, okay, this one technician can get done pretty much 80% what three guys can get done. So that really makes that, that line profitable. And then these other properties like apartment complexes and bigger places, they need three or four guys. So really kind of splitting that up and just doing the hard work of, 
of looking at where we're making money, where we're not making money, and trying to diagnose and fix it. Um, it was very much a thing where I would come in on Sundays and just and just spend four or five hours doing that, and like that's a working on the business type of thing. You know, Monday through Friday, run, building that business. Run, Monday through Friday, we're working in the business, mm-hmm. and then Saturday and Sunday, I would try to work on the business, which is really looking at the system, looking at the processes, diagnosing where we're making and losing money, and fixing that because there's no time to do that stuff you know in the heat of the, of the day uh running any kind of business right and so and so like you know that 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 uh, michael gerber uh in the e-myth talks a lot about working on the business working in the business for me for many many years it was monday through friday in the business saturday and sunday on the business yeah that's really that's really fascinating it, it is kind of interesting to consider like every every business has some sort of similar some sort of similar mechanism around deploying your resources wisely and figuring out like, well, in your case, it's like, well, how many people do I send to each, each work location? Um, but you know, I think especially from the tech world and maybe you can kind of, if you don't mind time skipping, I'd be curious to to kind of hear your, your feedback now that you're, you have the same mindset, but in a tech side, but a lot of times I feel like on the tech side, it's more a matter of not necessarily of, you know, how many people are we deploying against each individual problem? But the question is like, well, which things are we going to take on? <laughs> it's almost like, oh, it's what, so true. what problems do we cut to zero or what initiatives do we cut to zero so that we can focus on the other ones? But I'm just really curious to hear, um, you know, how, how did you sort of take that, take the mindset of, um, I, I don't know if it was easier and you, maybe you can tell me, but you know, there's, I feel like there's a very tactile, experience of like okay we sent three texts out to this site well what if we sent two would it take 33 yep. percent longer no okay that's a good deal what if we sent one would it take you know 150 percent? you know it's like no how do you apply that to the to the tech world and how are you how do you kind of bring that same mentality over yeah it, there's a lot of things that that port from the blue collar uh background i had to the to the new tech world and there's a lot of things that don't um but the but that that necessity is the mother of invention really really rings true particularly if you're self-funding a business it's it's like you it's not like chess it's like poker you're making these bets and you have to kind of like trust your gut and it also makes some 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 calculations on okay if i allocate what little capital we're bringing into the business uh, across these bets what's that going to look like and and you really try to fire bullets and then cannonballs you really try to like just test 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 okay this is working and then and then like double down and that's how it's been for me and and you know and just like in poker you know i've made a lot of bad bets and and but learn from them quickly you know move on and and course correct uh, because you know when you're you know when you're trying to make these allocations of it's like you you wear the hat of of capital allocator like even if you're only bringing in a thousand dollars a month or ten thousand dollars a month you have to put that money back to work wisely and so is it do i hire like a senior level developer when all we have is junior people do i hire like a lead a, a seo lead do i hire a better designer because our designer we have right now is so so do i hire this like content creator who's better than the one that we got like where do i make these bets and you kind of have to like you know particularly in the early days when you're when you're trying to like drive to a million in revenue or something a lot of it is go with your gut a lot of it is looking at what's working and doubling down on that that's one thing that i've learned the hard way it's like let's already do more of what's already working rather than uh rather than try to fix something that's not working and then the other thing too is like an early stage startup is a lot like a like an er like emergency room it's Mm -hmm. like you're triaging 
across like what are the what are the biggest problems what are the biggest challenges that we have and a lot of it is uh you you look at you look at bets that you're making from the lens of well what can get us more customers and i don't mean like top of the funnel i mean maybe Maybe our biggest problem is is people are coming in, trying it, and never using it again. Right. Well, well, then that's where we need to triage to. We need to figure that problem out. And then it's like, okay, you know, 80% of people are using it forever, but we need a million more of them. Okay, right. well, now we need to go back to the top of the funnel and figure out how to solve that problem. When we're kind of like, it's this di- dynamic situation where you're moving all over the place and triaging around what is the biggest problem we're facing this week, this month, and then throwing all your resources into that. That's how it's been for me over the last decade building this company. That's awesome. I, I was going to follow up, and I think you already answered my question, but let me just run it run it by you again, just so you can elaborate or, or tell me if I got it wrong. Uh, the, the question that popped in my mind as you talked sort of about the experimental framework was like, well, when you're getting started, how do you know, you know, once you have some bets and you get some data, I think it's, it makes sense of, you know, did it, did this win, did this lose? And and how do we want to modify it? I I find it's really difficult to figure out, okay, what is that first bet? Like, where do we get started? And it sounded like you said, you know, first off, you know, especially in the early stage, trust your gut, you know, it got you, got you as far as you've gotten so far. So you have to kind of have a little bit of faith there. Uh, The other thing you said, I thought was really interesting was to, to double down on what's already working where I think what I've seen is that a lot of people, I think that's actually fairly unusual feedback because people say like, okay, well, we're, we're successful over here. What if we switch to this different market segment or, you know, how can we, how can we scale out, get to a bigger market? Um, but it sounds like you've had success. And I actually kind of personally agree with the advice too of, well, do an analysis of what's working and then double down there. That's uh, the, exactly the, right. That, that's, how, that's how it unfolded for us, particularly with customer acquisition. When we first started, we noticed that that the that higher end clientele, maybe million dollar plus homes, wasn't using the product. The only people that were using the product were uh, in the. We, we started just in the Nashville, Tennessee area. We're in we're nationwide in the United States now, but we we spent three years just in Nashville. And what we noticed was was people in like homes sub 200k, maybe household income of like 70k. Those that that was like 75% of the people using the product, and we were like, well, bummer. We really want those bigger ticket sizes. We really want. We really want the people that are spending five grand a year on, on landscape maintenance. We right. don't want we don't want these people that, that, that only spend seven hundred dollars a year. But then we notice, well, there's a lot more of those folks. Right. Let's let's build the world's best solution for them, and let's get let's get as many of them as we can, and because that's the underserved segment in the market. And let's just do more of that rather than trying to figure out why the affluent parts of, of town don't use it. Maybe they don't need it. Um, Let's not worry about that. Let's go after this segment, and let's just, let's just double down on that and build the world's best product for that and market to that segment. And that's what we've built the business on. Now it's 300,000-plus people. It's, it's, been, it's been doing more of what was working and not right. trying to fix what didn't work. Yeah. That's a, that's a, great, that's a great example because I think that's very similar. You know, um, I think that's something every business sort of struggles with to some extent. It's like, well, when do we or do we change kind of our market positioning? Do we go up market? Do we go down market? Do we want to offer free? Do we want to, you know, do we just want to do a price increase? Do we want to go up to enterprise? Um, and to your point, you uh, you have to be a little bit, um, you have to be kind of wise about that because, you know, if the enterprise customers aren't showing up or people aren't kind of trying you out, but you can't satisfy their needs, it's really easy to, it's really easy to say like, wouldn't it be great? And it kind of almost exactly what you said. Like, wow, we, we, 
we sell our the average person pays us uh, 250 bucks a month for our subscription wouldn't it be great if we could get one customer for eighty thousand yeah. dollars a month wouldn't that be great it's like yeah sure but what do you have to do to get there and do those customers want this service and you know do you need to become a fundamentally different customer so i think, I think that's a good i think a good lens to look at it from what's helped me is, is two things one 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 thing that's helped me over a decade is just making it frictionless for people to to give us feedback and particularly in the early days like the first uh 500 contractors that use the platform to run their lawn mowing business had my personal cell number and and i would talk mm. to these folks seven days a week i i personally did customer support for the first six years all of it and now you know today we have 47 people and we have a customer support team but i still do at least an hour a day sometimes as many as three or four hours a day of, of customer support tickets phones chat whatever and that has caused me to never like like there's this gap that, that develops between customer logic and founder logic mm. and that's helped me close that gap and keep it close so i've never been at a loss for what our customers are, are wanting and what they're pissed off about and then the second thing is is when trying to figure out what to do in where to take it, where you t where to take your strategy? I think you have to ask yourself, what can I be the best in the world at? And for us, we couldn't be the best in the world at at uh, being a private gardening service. We couldn't be the best in the world at. Um, you know, a, a high-end service line uh, that, that local contractors were delivering and delivering well for their customers. We could be the best in the world at the person that just wants a mowing every two weeks for 25 bucks. We could be the best in the world at that. And that's what kind of guided us to understand, okay, this is how we're going to build a product. This is how we're going to solve people's problems. Because we knew we could be the best in, in every market in the United States at that one problem and that one solution. And, and that worked for us. So I think, you know, whatever you're doing, like ask that question and be serious about it. You know, if you throw all the company's intensity into, into one, one mi product mix, what can you be the best in market at and then follow that? Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I totally agree with, but when I was running my first company, I was full-time we, we never had a support person so i went from launching it to selling it and i was the the exclusive support person yeah. um and it, it, i love it, it it does have a way of <laughs> keeping you keeping you in in the right lane because you're right it, i like the really like the way you frame that around you know founder logic versus customer logic because yeah you know founder logic sounds a lot like what i was saying before around like well if we could just get one customer that's you know at 100x the size we can do all of a sudden you're you're in a spreadsheet and you're kind of outside the real world one of the things that I noticed, and I did this, I did this at the time. I probably still do it today. Um, but it's for whatever reason, I, I feel like there's this, there's this intensity or this intent towards, you know, you'll say like, okay, well, what we need, to, like for you, you said, like, well, you know, I really think, you know, the next, the next horizon for us is to provide, you know, uh, you know, tree installation or what, you know, whatever. Like, we're gonna do this new thing. We're gonna go over the top, or we're gonna, we're gonna specialize in this other thing, and it's gonna be really complicated, super capital intensive. Um, and then you talk to your customers and they're like, you know, it'd be really great if, um, you know, the button that's on this page was on this other page. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or they, you know, they tell you, they tell you, uh, you know, the biggest problem is that the, the guy doesn't show up a day early if it's going to rain. Right. And like, how do we solve 
that problem. And if we solve that problem, yep. more people will continue to use it. Yep. And, and that's a much better foundation to build the business and then go find more of those people rather than uh, ignoring all that and saying, you know, I think we need to get into home cleaning or right, right. I think we need to get into pool service right. when in fact the opportunity is like you're laying in the opportunity. It's right, right. there. Like it's literally all around you. Just do more of that. It's yep. been key to our success. And it may be just because it's such a big market. It's a $90 billion market and, and nobody it is like super mm. fragmented. And so maybe there's just so much opportunity that we're just chewing our way through. We haven't reached that that point of diminishing returns. You know, like at a certain point, Uber reaches like a point of saturation and they have to go right. into food delivery. That hasn't right. been the case for us. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I, I really like how that goes back to the core that you discussed of, you know, the, the thing that you're selling to customers is like, hey, you don't have to worry about this. Like right. not, not only do you not have to take the time to do it, but you don't have to take the time to think about it. You don't have to worry about it. It's like right. we've used we've used lawn service companies before, and we've looked outside, and we're like, oh, the lawn's getting long, long and it's going to be rainy, and you know, because we've been in that spot where I was like, huh, well, now do I need to pick up the phone and call? And, you know, that all of a sudden that takes me out of the realm of what I'm like. All right, well, I'm just going to go buy a mower. <laughs> like at this, yeah. uh, you know, there's a little bit of a uh, you know a millennial mentality of well, man, if I have to pick up the phone, I'm just going to do it myself. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very real. <laughs> Like, um, and I, th I think that's, you know, that's the solution we're solving is like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to call anybody. I just want to order it like my DoorDash. And, uh -huh. and that's and that's where GreenPal comes in. And and it's it's like uh, what we learned early on is that, to your point, it is a pain in the butt to hire a lawn mowing service. Like you, you, you call 10 people, uh, nine of them don't call you back. One does. You agree to a price. You hire them. They don't show up or they do show up and do a crappy job. Like it's a pain in the butt. Yep. And then what we quickly learned is that all of the things that make hiring a lawn care service suck are now our problem. Right. <laughs> like right. we have to solve every one of those. And, and that's why we exist. And that was a like we were confronted with that reality really early on. Like we have to solve the problems of why didn't he show up? Why, why did his lawnmower not fit in the gate size uh, that was too small? Why right. did he let the dog out? Why did <laughs> right. he not blow off the back patio? Why did his uh, equipment get stolen and he didn't show up? You know, all these things that, right. that happen, we have to solve them with technology. And we spent a decade doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, too. And I, I think that it's interesting to hear you say that because it's like, well, that makes total sense because you can become an expert at hiring lawn, lawn care companies. I've probably hired myself two or three in my whole time that I've owned you know, property for whatever it's been, 10 years, 12 years, something like that, actually longer than that, maybe 15 years. Um, you've, I think you've probably hired more than two or three. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you can develop that expertise. So, so I don't have to. And the fact that you, the fact that you care about that, I imagine, you know, uh, the, it seems like you have a lot of very happy customers, but I imagine that's, that's probably a big thing that's high up on the list. That's not very easy to show up, you know, in a, you know, if you, you put it into some sort of matrix, it's kind of hard to quantify. But, you know, the fact that they're like, hey, I don't have to think about this. Like, it just, if there, and, there's an issue, someone deals with it for me, and I don't even really have to intervene, and, and I don't have to, I'm not spending any time looking out my front window going, or, you know, when I jump in the car, leave the property for the day, I'm not looking out going, it's looking a little, looking a little rough out there. It has to be like running water. It has to be perfect. Like Uber, Amazon, these companies have conditioned the, the American consumer to damn near perfection 
Um, and it's just missed table stakes. And, and one of the things that uh, one of my favorite Jeff Bezos quotes, he says, the thing I love about the customer is that they are always reliably, insatiably discontent. Hmm. And, yeah. and it's true. And, like, that's the standard. And, and that's what we have to build for. It's, it's like you come onto the platform, you pop your address in, you get five quotes. You can hire any one of those quotes. They come out, do a great job, and then they show up when they're supposed to throughout the entire year. It, like there is a million things that can go wrong to prevent that from happening, and and we have built the platform to solve 99% of those problems. And really, the only reason we've been able to do it is because we've just focused on this one use case, this one chore, and let's make it as easy as pushing a button to get it done. I don't want you to tell me if we're we're getting into you know. Um industry secret special sauce here um but you know i've hired a lot of electricians and plumbers and people in the trade all the time um and i'm i'm very curious as to how you figured out how to get these folks to show up on time it's it's been and of course, an iterative process, one of of just trial and error. And so, how do you get somebody to show up on time? Well, first off, one thing we learned early on is that vendors, contractors, have to love the product. Mm. I mean, they have to love it. They need they like they want to pop open Green Pal, like like a 13 year old uh, teenage girl pops open TikTok. Like we need to create an uh, a, a sticky platform for them to run their whole business. Everything from getting new work to organizing all your stops to getting paid within 24 hours to get marketing automation to get booked again and again and again. So that's the first thing. If contractors don't love it, you don't have a product for homeowners. And that's why a lot of Uber for X uh, startups went bust because the Uber for home cleaning uh, team never cleaned a house. Um, the Uber for laundry service never ran a laundromat. And so they didn't start from the supply side first. And so the the consumer experience was horrible because suppliers didn't love it. And as it turns out, you know, consumers don't give a damn how good your app is. Like they just wanted their right. floor clean. Right. They just wanted their laundry to show up. They just want their grass cut. That's it. That's that's the product. And mm-hmm. so we had to start from 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 that from that from that perspective first okay and then well then how do we how do we ensure and motivate and incentivize contractors to show up on time and do a good job well we, we, we score them and we let them know that hey here's your reliability rating here's basically the percentage of times you show up on the day you're supposed to and guess what you can use that to your advantage or use it to your disadvantage because if you have right. a high reliability rating that means you get booked more often and and just that little level of accountability yeah it doesn't exist anywhere else it only exists on the on on our app because nobody else captures that data and closes that loop and then other other uh ways that we score and measure of course it's a qualitative feedback system uh one to five stars everybody knows that but also how often do they get booked for a second lawn mowing if if somebody's only getting booked like eight percent of the time or ten percent of the time for a second visit that means that they may not be that great the customer wasn't that happy with their service and so we kind of we we showcase that and that's an indicator okay this person gets booked 80 percent of the time for for a second third mowing right uh that's a good indicator of of quality and and reliability Hmm. uh so so holding like it's almost like a coach in a pocket for for contractors it's like a it's like a daily accountability layer it's like hey you're going to have to show up on these stops on time you're going to have to do a quality thorough job if you want to be successful in this business on this platform and that layer of accountability helps 
provide a seamless, consistent, reliable experience to consumers that use the platform. Yeah, that's really that's really great. And, and I wonder to what extent, and probably um, unrelated to this conversation, but I wonder to what extent those companies, you know, I think everybody knows logically, show up when you say you're going to show up, charge what you say you're going to charge, you know, pr- provide the service you say you're going to provide. Um, I, I wonder how much how much that service you're providing is is instructing them to do that versus providing them the reflection back um and so we, we have that even internally on our teams all we have uh, we're owned by a private equity fund so we have you know very easy i didn't have to come up with these we have kind of standards that every department needs to run at um and it's it's kind of funny that even I'll feel like, hey, we're doing pretty good against this standard, right? And then I'll go and check. And I'm like, oh, we're actually missing it 20% of the time. Um, yeah. And so if you would have just asked me, if I didn't check, if I didn't have you know, a, a spreadsheet somewhere or, or a product somewhere that I, I log into to sort of measure our success against, you know, how are we doing towards the goal? Then I would say like, we're doing great. But then when you look at it, you're like, oh, you know, and, you know, again, 80% success is not, not the worst thing in the world. We're not falling apart, but Hey, well, why don't we, why aren't we shooting for a hundred percent? So I wonder if you're kind of doing the same thing for those companies of like, they, they probably, I would guess, you tell me if I'm wrong, they probably know they should show up on time, but having that, having that score, have it be over time, have it kind of understand that they might be like, yeah, we usually show up on time, but it's like, well, if you don't, 20%, you know, one in five, or, you know, even, you know, one in 10, uh, man, that's, that starts to add up. We know you're getting to most places on time, but there are, it's a good percentage of the ones that you aren't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's twofold. It is, it's the measurement and the accountability, but here's the other thing. Nobody ever teaches any of us how to run a small business, right? We're not taught that in high school. We're not taught that in college. Even if you went to college for, for business, you're not taught how to run a small business. Nobody teaches us the basics of, of, Hey, here's what, here's why it's important to show up on the day you're supposed to. Here's why it's important to give it 110%. Here's why it's important to follow up and make sure that they're happy. Here's why it's important to be proactive and to call ahead. Like nobody teaches anybody this stuff and you're kind of just supposed to figure it out as you go. And it's our platform's job to be like a like like lawn care university for for contractors, new ones and, and established ones, and and educate them on why it's important to do these things to grow your business, and then hold you accountable and measure you to see how you did. Did you hit these stops on the day you're supposed to? Did you get booked again uh, uh, for for this percentage of the time? What what are people saying about your business? How are they rating you? What's that what's that sentiment look like? And and to reflect that back to them so then they can improve and, 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 and know where they need to, to make improvements in their business, but also setting the expectations up front and, and, and kind of being like business 101 because a lot of, uh, a lot of contractors that use our platform are, are, this is their first business they've ever run. Maybe they, maybe they uh, worked for, you know, maybe they drove for Uber and drove for DoorDash and thought, you know what, I can make double the money on this kind of gig, you know, right. and, and just kind of taking them from zero to now I'm in the landscaping business and I'm making a quarter million dollars a year uh, and guiding them through that journey in like 12 to 18 months is what our what our platform is built to do. Yeah, that's really great. And I think it's I think this feedback is really widely applicable to all sorts of customers, especially, you know, the like our, our customers and companies that we work with, especially it feels like there is this especially with remote and kind of everything that's been going on that your your teammates in some ways 
can begin to work more and more like contractors. And even some companies just run strictly off of, you know, freelancers and consultants. So as an entrepreneur, getting the ability to manage your team, like, you know, like consultants, like contractors, one, it's really useful in empowering them. If you have your, if your marketing leads feels like they kind of, you know, they're the, they're the CEO of marketing. That's really useful. But I totally agree that everything that you say that you're doing with your, you know, with the contractors on the platform, you have to do the same thing with your team of like, absolutely, you know, what, what are the goals? What are the, you know, what, <laughs> we're not rating each other out of five stars. Oh, maybe we, maybe we should, although that does sound a little <laughs> bit, a little bit crazy, but you know, it's like, well, you know, if there were five categories that I was going to rate you on, well, what would they be? And, you know, how can we make sure that it's clear, you know, what, what are the expectations and what are the, what are the metrics that we're, we are, um, you know, that, that we're going against here. And, and what percentage of the time are you hitting expectation versus not? Um, it, yeah, one thing that makes sense to me is is like the, this concept of managing the input metrics and the output metrics. Like maybe the yeah. output metrics for contractors is like, let's get you to a quarter million dollars a year in revenue. Okay, that's the output metric. What are the input metrics? Well, you have to win X number of percent of the new properties that you're quoting and you have to bid a certain number of them every week. And then you right. have to show up a certain percentage of the time on time. And then you got to get booked again a certain percentage of time like these are the input metrics we're measuring you against to get to the output metric output metric and so it's like rewarding that process and not the results right i think is i think it applies like whether you're working with contractors employees it's like let's let's structure the process let's make sure everybody understands what that is and let's reward that process and then not even care about the results um there's there's a book by this by by the the, the dude was the head coach of the 49ers when joe montana like came came to uh to the team and like they he, he took them from like the worst team in the nfl for like like five years to to winning the super bowl the next year and the, the name of the book is called the score takes care of itself <laughs> and that's all that book is about is that if you you know he talked about like everybody from excellence top down in the organization from the secretary to the groundskeeper to the quarterback like was measured against this 49ers standard of excellence and like right. he didn't even care about the score on sunday because he knew that would take care of itself it's that philosophy of rewarding and managing the process and then letting this letting the score take care of itself that has made sense to me yeah that's really great. And we, we do that to some extent, but I, I'm kind of motivated now to move more in that direction. As we usually, you know, from like a from like a results perspective, we usually measure that per department or by, as a company. We say like, hey, we want to move this metric from here to here. Um, and then when we look at each individual, like for, for our sales team, you know, we're not really looking at how much business did you close every single single month. We're looking at things like, well, how quickly did you reach out to somebody as soon as they signed up? And right. did you follow up with them? And, you know, right. did you did you send the like we were saying, did you send the follow up emails? Did you, exactly. you know, were you were you and sometimes it can get a little qualitative, but, you know, were you helpful? Did you did you listen? If I go and listen back to the sales call and I review it. And I hear them expressing some very specific problems that they have. You know, well, did you did you try to help them, or did you at least reflect that back? Right. Um, and we know uh, that you know if we're if we're attentive, we follow up enough times, we we're we're there. We're kind of a, a partner through the process of them signing up. Like you said, it's like well, we know every 
customer that's a good fit that's gonna that was gonna sign up we're gonna be able to get and we're gonna that's gonna flow through and we can measure that from a from a, a department or a company standpoint and i think managing that way and leading that way can help you diagnose what's wrong with the process too yeah where if you're just measuring whatever it is you know the sales number or the or the customer growth number it's like it's hard to like diagnose yeah. what's wrong with the process and help your team members like get be successful and so i, I like that approach much better i wish i had started with that 20 years ago I've, it's only been in the last <laughs> yeah. three to four years that i have changed how i look at it yeah yeah it's, it's a tough one i mean that that's kind of our whole mentality on the on the bare metric side of like well yeah you can look at what your revenue numbers are doing or you can look at your churn numbers but you're kind of looking at the you're looking at the fire hose you're looking at and you know if you're looking at an average of your entire customer base and everything that happens and you're going to get sort of the averaged out you know gray color <laughs> gray color result but once you start slicing and dicing it then you can actually look in and, and subdivide and say like oh well you know actually the churn that's happening it's these types of customers well, what's what's going on there right um, and, like, and like you said yeah. our problem is not not closing business our problem is not calling them back in an hour when they when they fill out the the inquiry form you know like that's the problem let's fix that problem and and that will and then the, and then the score will literally take care of itself I, I i love that approach much better the thing is it's harder to do it that way yeah it's a lot easier just to yell at somebody oh numbers didn't go up do better you know yeah and then you check you check out for a quarter and you come yeah. back and be like damn it that's uh You're that's actually advice that, that, that i got from one of our one of our partners and I, i'm sure he said it to me you know a million times but but he, he's been uh we work with a guy named luke marshall and he's been really good at being a coach and he's got you know a a consultant background and he's kind of he's been in a lot of businesses and um again i'm sure he said it to me a million times but you know well i'll, I'll talk to him he's like well how are we doing against this goal and i kind of did that same sort of thing like ah you know we're not really we're not really getting there and so simply he responded he's like well what are you doing about it right and I was like, yeah, at the shit. Tact at the tactical level, like, yeah. what are I was the like, three things we're doing this week to fix yes, that? <laughs> precisely. Yeah. And I was like, shit, we aren't doing anything about yeah. it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I literally I, don't I, know. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that in the meeting, but, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. We, we aren't. You know, and, and I think it's also it's difficult to to track against. It's something we've been doing a lot of work to be like, OK, well, you know, make sure that we're reporting from top to bottom. Well, how are we doing against these these company wide goals? And then what are each of the tactics that roll up to that? What are we doing to increase this number or change this number? What's the status of that? And it makes it very apparent, I think, that it's like, well, how are we doing against this thing? Ah, we're not hitting, we're not at the benchmark for where we should be in the quarter. All right, what's the status of all the things that we brainstormed that we want to experiment to hit it? Oh, we haven't done any of those either. It's like, well, <laughs> and a lot no of shit, times, no shit, we didn't get. It. <laughs> and a lot of times it's just like, okay, let's just let's just do one or two of these things, and yep. then and then let's check back. Like like I don't give a shit. Like let's just check. One, let's just let's just really go all in on one or two, and yep. then come back around rather than like because a lot of times if we're if we're we just we just we get like paralyzed by all the different initiatives. It's like let's just do one. You know, right. and, and then and then we'll move on to the next one. So I've yeah. been there. <laughs> Do something, check something off the list. Because, yeah, right. I feel like it's it's something that I've seen in a lot of team meetings that I've been in, you know, at the top. Sometimes they don't even report on company goals and, and progress, which is, I think, a problem. And then the other issues you and we used to do this, I would report on company goals and every team would give their updates. But it almost becomes disjointed of like, well, you know, it's like, well, you know, our, our new traffic goal, we're, you know, 50 uh, percent of the way there. And then the marketing team would sort of talk about the things that they're doing, but it was never tied back into how is this helping us achieve our goal? Right. So, 
Yeah, that's something that we're trying. And that's, you know, like you said, you wish you were doing this three years ago. We're, we're, we're just now, really just this year, kind of pulling all these pieces together into a system where everybody can understand, okay, what's the big picture goal? What are all the all of the projects towards that. And as we catch something else, it's like, oh, well, you know, the reason why we're not selling enough of this product is that we don't have enough people in the top of the funnel. Like, all right, cool. What do we need to do to get more people on top of the funnel? Oh, well, we could cross sell it. Okay, cool. Well, how are we going to do that? Let's just put a banner on this page. Perfect. Let's launch it. And, you know, it's just like, then we track that. And then, you know, I come back next week. Did we launch the banner? No. Okay. Did the top of funnel improve? Sure didn't. All right. Well, let's, you know, uh, you know, you can only go for so many weeks before, you know, shame takes over. You're like, right. all right, damn it. Like, let's just do, you know, let's just do it. And it might not work, of course, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a hell of a lot better than like, well, what did you do? It's like, oh, we, we, um, we created a new landing page for this other thing. It's okay. Well, that's, is it, is it working for us? It's like, well, not really. It's like, all right, well, it wasn't our, wasn't our goal and it's also not working for us. So let's maybe focus our efforts a little bit more on these few things that matter. And then we can, you know, uh, everybody loves to experiment and it gets, from my perspective, I think it's it really hard once you get to the stage of like, all right, we're going to hyper-focus on these couple of things and we're really going to move these because it's, it's easier to go somewhere else and find an, an easier goal to hit. But I think this is like really important to be like, okay, cool. We're going to focus. And the job of the leader is to constantly pull the attention of everybody back to those core things. Um, and you can even say like, yeah, I know it's kind of a bummer, but like, all right, we just got to keep pulling, pulling back, focus on these, on these, on these goals, on these initiatives, and let's knock them out. And then most, most great companies only do a couple of things very, 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 very well. And yep. a lot of times it's usually less. It's usually like, let's just, let's just focus all of our intensity on these one or two initiatives and not worry about anything else. Maybe when you get super huge, it's different. But like at this stage of the game where I'm at, you know, that's, that's usually the answer. It's like, okay, we're all going to focus on just these one or two initiatives and then drive that forward and not worry about anything else. Usually that's the better bet. It's yeah. been my experience. And then, and then, you know, in these meetings that you're talking about, I've been, I've been there too. And like, you just want to bang your head against the wall. And it's like, everybody should walk out of there with, with, with tactical things that they need to work on and do differently and improve on when they walk out. They sh everybody should be very clear on different and new or, 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 or adjustments of things that they're doing. And that nobody should be like vague or ambiguous about that. And that's something that I've had to improve on too. And so I, I, I empathize with, 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 with how you just characterized uh, the landing page meeting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, I think a lot of us are, a lot of us are having some version of the landing page meeting within yeah. our, within yeah. our business. Yep, we all are. This stuff's hard. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Um, well, Brian, you've been really, um, really giving of your time. I'd love to hear just to kind of close us out, you know, what's, what's kind of the current state of your business, what's going on, you know, maybe if you can share a little bit of like what you're thinking about, what you're working on, just kind of whatever, you know, what, what's the, what's the current state of your business? And maybe if you don't mind sharing, you know, what's, what's coming up next or what's, what do you think's on the horizon for you? Yeah, we, so we, uh, we have recently, uh, launched into every city in the United States uh, over a population of 50,000 people. So no matter where you live in the United States, if it's over 50,000, you can order a lawn mowing service on GreenPow. We are driving towards nine figures in revenue. We want to get there within the next three to four years. That's our big uh, next goal. We have plans to expand into Canada, and, and that'll be our first like international expansion. Based on how that goes, we may go into Australia and UK. Um, and so that's those are really like 
to two or three things that we're just focused on and then every all the little stuff that maps against that. I'm having fun running this business and, and I think like me personally, I'll keep running this business so long as I'm having fun. Um, it's like every startup goes through three phases, like a like a startup, a grow up and a scale up, and we're somewhere between that grow up and scale up. So I'm having to level up and evolve and like become the leader that can take us through the scale up phase. And if we find out I'm not the guy for that, maybe we'll hire a professional CEO or, or take one of these acquisition offers. But that's where we're at. We're, we're like trying to grow into a nine figure business. So it's like a whole nother level of the video game, a whole new final boss. And it's a lot of fun. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing running this company. Awesome, Brian. Well, thanks so much for your time. Uh, I'm I'm installing the the app as we speak. Maybe I can I can do my little little part here to help you hit that nine figures. There you go. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks so thanks so much for joining us. We'll, we'll have all the links. You know, when we we share this, we'll, we'll have it in the description. Um, any other kind of anywhere else you you would want us to send traffic to? Any other shout outs you want to do at the end here? Yeah, yeah. Just download Green Pal in the App Store or Play Store. And anybody wants to hit me up personally, uh, you can hit me up on Instagram, Brian M Clayton. Just drop me a DM there. I'll hit you back. Awesome. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, I appreciate it, Brian. Had fun. That was our conversation with Brian Clayton, the co-founder and CEO of GreenPal. If you're looking for an easier way to find a great landscaping service, you know where to go, yourgreenpal.com. That's Y-O-U-R-G-R-E-E-N-P-A-L.com. If it's business analytics and growth tools you're looking for, check us out at barometrics.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode and invite you to check out our other founder chats. And if you're able to share with a friend or leave a review, it goes a long way. Thanks for listening.